quite a drastic change of life um, after I met Dennis the week before I started this job um, at some country races in northern Victoria. So he'd come down for them from Texas, Queensland. I didn't even know there was a Texas in Australia. So there you go. There is. <laughs> and I live here now. <laughs> G'day and welcome to episode 77 of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. Before I jump into today's episode, and it's one that I'm very, very excited about, I'd just like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we're recording today's episode, the Camilleroy people, and extend those respects to the lands on wherever you may be listening to this podcast today. This podcast episode has been sponsored by LAWD, the specialists in agribusiness valuations and transactions. To find out more, you can head to www.lawd.com.au. Well, as I mentioned, I'm raring to jump into this chat, but before I do, I just want to give a bit of background to today's guest, who is one of my best friends that there is in the whole world and someone who I've really got to know and admire over the last few years. Grace Cheatley, I never ever would have thought that I'd be interviewing you for the Humans of Agriculture podcast, but it's amazing how things can change. As you hear in today's chat, Grace's background, or where she's been living for the last little while, is down in Torquay and near Geelong in Victoria. But a matter of circumstance and meeting a fella has brought her up to Texas right on the Queensland border. And so what I think is so cool and special about today's chat is just how Grace brings all these incredible skills and talents, singing's not one as you'll find out, into a rural community and just how her perspective has been shaped from it. To give a bit of context, Grace has worked in the disability mental health space. She's worked with kids um, and and really work with teenagers and particularly women who are looking to find their feet in the world and so what is so cool about grace's background is she's come into an area and as she says she moved to a part of the world where absolutely nobody knew her and what this enabled for her was she was really able to find out more about who she was really unlock her purpose and see that the work she'd done today, just how applicable and needed it is in the town of Texas. So I'm going to stop talking here and we're going to jump into the chat. Welcome to the Humans of Agriculture podcast, Grace. Thanks all. Thanks for having me on. Long time listener, first time caller. Yeah, absolutely. I've been a big fan of the Humans of Agriculture podcast for a long time. Um, Love listening to what you do and who you talk to. So what's your favourite episode? <laughs> oh, there are way too many of my fa- of episodes that I love that I really couldn't choose. <laughs> <laughs> Caught ya. I would have thought that um, long drive from Torquay up to Texas, you might have actually been able to listen to one, but maybe. I have listened to quite a few <laughs> in my time. Read lots, lots of your stories and, yeah, I really love, love the, um, the scope of people that you can reach. It's really cool. And I guess you're the first, definitely the f- like first close friend I've had on it, but also to it, maybe you'd be wondering, you're like, oh, am I really involved in agriculture? Maybe I'm putting ideas no. in your head. <clears throat> Absolutely. Never really considered myself a human of agriculture, that's for sure. Really? But Even I, living on the farm? Oh, like as in, in the last two years, definitely things have changed, but 
I think in the past, you know, listening to your podcasts and I've always loved, you know, being on farms and, you know, lots of my friends and families are from farms and all of that and I love the idea but, you know, never thought of myself um, personally as someone that was connected to agriculture, I guess, until I listened to some of your podcasts and then, you know, you sort of do start thinking about how you are involved and, you know, how it all connects and what you're passionate about and, yeah, I always have loved loved aspects of the land and lots of my family are, um, you know, based on pro- in properties in New South Wales and, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about but definitely now I think I have turned into a human of a agriculture. Human of agriculture. <laughs> Tell me what your, your first memory of being involved in and around agriculture has been. Where, where was it and what was it like? Um, well, my mum's from um, a sheep and crop property from between Barham and Deneliquin and southern New South Wales there just near the, the Murray River and I spent a lot of time um, as a child and as I was growing up working there with my uncle um, with the sheep and I, I think, you know, but, you know, growing up on the coast in southern Victoria, it was always like, I don't know, it was never a, a massive part of my life but I definitely, you know, experienced, you know, aspects of of the farm and, and, you know, life on the land from when I was younger and I think I always had that in me and um, I think as I got older I, I made more and more friends that were associated with agriculture and, you know, spent more time on properties and going to country races and, you know, really just loved that. I guess I've never been a city girl so I think like that side of, you know, me and really, I mean, part of my personality is quite, um, I don't know, like free (laughs) as you'd say but yeah like I just I love that you know the freedom that you feel when you are out of the city and out of you know a town or um yeah so I think for me that was definitely the first my first experiences on a farm and now here I am living on one so (laughs) yeah things have taken a turn that's for sure in the last two years and tell me what is your favorite part of living where you are I think it is the complete and utter change of a lifestyle that I never, ever saw coming. And I think it has been something that I have um, really, you know, it has been a struggle to adapt to in lots of ways. And But it's been also the greatest challenge of my life to date is that, that dealing with that cha- massive change of life, um, but also amidst everything that else is that's going on in, in the world at the moment with COVID um, and especially where I was when things changed, and yeah, um, never thought, never saw myself here, here now. But here I am. <laughs> I want to, but I guess just we can talk about kind of agriculture. But I, I want to jump kind of straight into what brought you up here. Obviously, Dennis uh, is a key part of that. But the actual beginnings of twenty twenty, and you were in a job which uh, I guess you'd started to build a career. Tell me a little mm. bit about your background, the work you've done kind of to date and, and what your interests are. Well, I guess my background's in um, in psychology, in um, working with young people in youth work, um, social work and disability work. So in the past I've um, done a lot of work in schools with, with young women. I've done a lot of work in the disability sector with mental health um, based down in Geelong. So I think a lot of my work and study has all sort of happened in Geelong um, until then I graduated um, with a youth work degree and moved to Melbourne a month before 
everything broke out um, with COVID. So, you know, had that had that really fun idea of a year in Melbourne. You know, you were around the corner with SAS and I think then, um, yeah, the idea of the, of the nightlife, of the footy, um, you know, a life, be- uh, a year being single and um, sort of all just... <laughs> came to a halt um I had a new job in Melbourne as a as a um a welfare officer for a university working with international students and um I was sort of the last one in and the first one out in that job and was made redundant after three weeks um just as COVID hit so yeah things definitely didn't go to plan for me in 2020 as it didn't for a lot of people but yeah quite a drastic change of life um, after I met Dennis the week before I started this job um, at some country races in northern Victoria. So he'd come down for them from Texas, Queensland. I didn't even know there was a Texas in Australia. So there you go. There is. (laughs) And I live here now. (laughs) (laughs) When I said to my brother a few weeks ago when I was coming up to see you guys and see a bunch of people clients up in northern New South Wales and hopefully in Queensland, depending on when this edits. Um, (laughs) Cut this bit out. (laughs) Note to self, seven and a half minutes in. Um, Yeah, I said to my brother and I was like, yeah, I'm heading off to Texas tomorrow. And Nick's like, what? (laughs) What are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm going to see Grace and Dennis. And I was like, mate, not Texas in America. (laughs) Texas. Because my first ever encounter with texas was i was driving in to go to a f- one of the feedlots here and see someone <laughs> i saw the sign texas and i pulled over and played the american national anthem <laughs> and sent a snapchat <laughs> <laughs> oh my god of course you did <laughs> but the thing is that's what everyone's reaction um you know i'm oh yeah i moved to texas i'm living in texas and people are like how on earth did you get to america and i'm like <laughs> There's one in Australia and you should all come and visit. It's a bit different to the one in America, I'm sure, but it is here. Um, 4385. 4385. Lee <laughs> Kernigan sings a song about it if uh, anyone out there is a Lee Kernigan fan. And, you know, the best part of it is um, Dennis's mum owns the pub in town here and um, Lee sings a song. Lee sings the Texas song about and, you know, mentions the pub and everything and in the meantime um, she's changed the name and he's not happy about it. It was the Royal Hotel in the song and now it's the Stockman Hotel. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Do you want me to sing it? (coughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know the other thing that that actually – Maybe my microphone's really generous, but it sounds like you could sing great. Well, actually, thanks for mentioning this, Ollie, and I really <laughs> ho- did hope you'd bring this up. <laughs> I have had a few nights here at the pub at Texas um, on the microphone. I've, I've really sort of challenged the, uh, the social life um, here in Texas with all the friends I've made through the school and um, through, you know, the pub and, and all Dennis's mates here and family. They're all great, and I think, yeah... In a small town, you've got to really, you know, get up and not be worried about what people think. <laughs> Which I don't think has ever really worried you too Definitely much. Definitely never, never worried me, no. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank, and I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported. 
Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low-cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade, or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. Tell me, going back to so the start of last year, mm. the when when you lost your job because of COVID and everything was just no one really knew what mm. was happening. We could see what was happening overseas, but that kind of mm. when it's not on your doorstep, you don't really know. Yeah, what was running through your head? Was it a split second decision that you're like, oh? God, I'm going to drive up and see Dennis. Or yeah. how did you get to that point? Well, we'd met at the races and met on the dance floor, you know, just so random. He wasn't even meant to get to these races. Um, he'd come down for a cattle sale with a mate and was going to turn around and head home that day. But his mate, you know, convinced him to come and, and yeah, chance meeting. And then, you know, I sort of thought, oh, well, never going to see him again anyway. He's He was a nice bloke and all of that. And um, we sort of went... Went back to Melbourne and I started my job that Tuesday after the weekend and um, and then it sort of all sort of happened in that next week and Dennis and I had been chatting and, um, you know, of course, then it all just exploded. It was just being in Melbourne when it really first started was terrifying. I was at this job and people were convinced they were going to have to bunker down. We were doing panic buying. It was – I had these professors at this university telling me that the world was going to end, like, you know, and you don't want to believe them because – you just you don't know what's happening. No one does. But at the same time, you know, when you've got people around you that are in an absolute state of anxiety and, and you know, disarray, it's just it was just wild. And, you know, you're wiping your hands all the time. No one trusts each other. No one's smiling at each other. And it really was just a complete and utter um, change of life from that moment when everything went into lockdown. And I think um, as soon as all the borders sort of started happening and I went down into lockdown in down in Hamilton with a friend on her property and um, wasn't able to get to Dennis and you know we sort of ended things like we stopped talking and I was never going to get to Texas was I like if I couldn't get to you know mum you know in New South Wales there and yeah but anyway it was a good timing for me like mum and dad had just gone through a divorce and and mum was moving back home to Barham um, there along the Murray River so it was sort of in the next following the following couple of weeks I sort of started we started chatting again I got a random call from Dennis one day that said he kept couldn't stop thinking about me so I was like oh he's back is he crawling back and um so I was, he's like come up here and if you can and I said oh well I probably will be able to I was helping mum move and um it was my sort of key across the border and um I just headed up and and drove the whole way the 15 hours from Torquay to Texas and had a had a week up here and yeah I mean it was great it was just such a different I mean I've never been scared to try you know to see different places to drive to meet new people and you know everything was comfortable with Dennis from the get-go and um yeah it was it was great and but yeah it's just been a a whirlwind of a of a of a two years that's for sure tell me Dennis aside just for this question What's been the biggest learning you've probably had over the last 18 months, two years of just life and, um, yeah, where you find yourself now? Um, <clears throat> I think the biggest learning is for me was, you know, I've never 
felt like I've never been somewhere where I felt like no one knows who I am. No one knows who Grace Cheatley is and I've never not known how to be Grace Cheatley. And it has been the most, yeah, it really challenging, um, you know, struggled with my mental health quite a lot. Um, I felt, you know, isolated as, as many people have in these lockdowns. Um, you know, people probably have probably felt more isolation in Melbourne than I've felt up here on this farm, not knowing anyone really when I first got here. But I think, yeah, I think the biggest learning is definitely how to adapt in a situation where you are completely out of your comfort zone. You're in a place where no one knows you, where you don't know anyone and you're thrown, you know, into the deep end in in terms of, yeah, like what you're used to in your life, I think. And I, I certainly wasn't used to living on a farm and you know going without the certain um luxuries that you get that you're used to every day you know the little things coffees on every your, morning. your coffees every morning a swim drive in the through. ocean yeah <laughs> drive through um yoga classes like you know simply going down the street and seeing a friend or you know bumping into a friend and things being easy because you know I was locked out of Queensland as well at the start so I, I not only was I here um yeah, like, I mean, we'd gone back and forth a bit, Dennis and I, but I ended up coming up here and being locked up here in a way. Like, you know, I wasn't able to get home to Victoria for three months in, in about July last year. And so then when that border closed, it was sort of like, wow, yeah, I'm here now, so make the most of it. But I wasn't working at the time. I've been studying um, and finishing off my um, psychology degree, which I've done, which has been really great and also quite a big help in terms of... Um, you know, trying to understand, like, my own, where I was at in my own head too. Like, it was a sort of a blessing in disguise, my studies and, um, yeah, but I think that was, yeah, definitely the biggest learning. But it's been, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't take any of it back. It's, yeah, I think, you know, being no one to, to people up here is, um, it, it helps you build a lot more on your character because you're not relying on the people that you've always had around you to, to, to build you up and to feed that, you know, that ego we've all got inside us. So, yeah, but, you know, learning new skills as well is a massive thing um, for me because I've, I've got involved in everything on the farm here. I've, um, I've definitely, I'm loving my sheep work, um, which I always have done and I've been driving tractors, which I never thought I would. <laughs> I've been doing, I've been fencing, I've been, I work at the school, I work at the pool, I've worked at the pub, you know, I think, and in a small town especially, it's really important to, to, to be, for me to be someone was to, to form connections and that's, that was how I overcame that. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll touch on all the different jobs you've had. Tell me, <laughs> do, you, do you remember the, the moment where, like you're talking, I guess, about that piece of being recognised and... Mm feeling a sense of community. Do you remember the moment where or was there a person in town who was the first person to really bring you under their wing and give you that real sense of home? Um, yeah, yeah, quite a few actually. Like I think um, I think really starting at the school was a real turning point. Um, lots of young teachers that have come from Brisbane um, out here and um, I've also had, you know, some good friends of Den's that, lived down the road for quite a long time that really helped as well um you know having them around and but yeah I think my the way into the school was great um one a couple of certain friends who 
you know, you actually, you, you they're my friends now. I'm not just, I'm not just hanging out with Dennis's friends. I'm not just Dennis's girlfriend, which I bloody hated. <laughs> oh yeah, this is Dennis's girlfriend. No, my name's Grace. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I've, yeah, pushed past all that too. It's, it's more like, yeah, I think um, connections at the school, um, you know, I think people that you just strike up a conversation with or you build relationships with, even just, you know, people that work at the supermarket, the people that work at the post office, you know, you, it, everyone knows everyone's name and it's, um, and yeah, it's really... <laughs> That's authentic. Zoe, shall I? I guess, like, yeah, you, you've talked about yeah, Dennis's friend, like, well, I guess establishing your own friendship group and the school really provided that to you. Mm. So what, what's been the most surprising thing about going from Torquay, Geelong, Melbourne mm. a, into a town of 850-odd people? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's something really special about um, a, such a small town and I think um, I, could eat, I, can, I can definitely say that I felt more lonely living in Melbourne for that month that I did, um, you know, walking the streets of... Um, South Yarra and and those areas and stuff than I do than I have here. There's definitely been challenges of isolation and stuff due to you know borders and COVID and not being able to get home and not being able to go to social events. But at the same time, I can walk down the street now in Texas only after you know living up here for eight months properly. You know I could I could seriously walk up the street and know at least fifteen people. You know as I'm walking and they know me. And that in its – as a small community, you just feel like you build those relationships quite quickly if you want them, you know. And, like, I think um, the more effort you put in, um, the more you you are yourself and, and realise you can bring and contribute something to a community, um, especially with my lived experiences of, you know, the work I've done in with so many different people and, you know, travelled and – and yeah, have have this story, you know, I think that really um yeah, but just being someone that listens to people too, like you use that to yeah, build connections and and yeah. It's cool. Tell me about so your your background, youth work, psychology degree, now doing your masters in, or soon to start your masters in psychology. Um but specifically around like disability work mm. and, and actually caring for kids. What what's been why are those skills so fundamental in a town like Texas? And what is it that you reckon you've been able to bring through Grace, the person, but also Grace, the teacher educator? Mm. Yeah, well, I think um, I've, I've worked in schools before, but never, you know, actually employed at a school. And um, the kids here are so beautiful. They're a really great mix of kids. There are kids from lower socioeconomic families that um, – you know, which you get in every town, in every city and, you know, but I think here, because it is such a small community, there are only 160 kids at this school, I know I could nearly name every single child at that school and I could nearly have said that either half of them have come down to the pool while I'm working. I've seen, you know, at least a third of them at the supermarket. They're, you know, they're kids that I think and bringing that ability to work with, you know, a range of different people with a range of different, um, yeah, abilities and behaviours and all of that sort of stuff. You come with a non-judgmental approach, I think. I've never, ever approached my work anywhere that I've been with, um, with judgment or, yeah, and I think I believe the best in 
in a lot of people and um, I think mixing with different people like I just I've never second guessed doing that you know coming from whether where no matter where I've been where I am now is more important and the people that I that I have in my life now here and you know the kids that I work with at the school like you can be something to them no matter where you've been no matter who you are it doesn't matter if you've come from a big city you can still make a massive massive impact on on smaller communities if you have that open mind and you have empathy and you're willing to listen and I think yeah listening to certain issues that um, are evident in a smaller community in a rural community have made me have opened up my eyes a lot to perhaps gaps in what small towns need especially um, yeah regional and rural towns especially following COVID as well you know I think now is a really you know important time for people to open their eyes and and see opportunities for our you know what we've been through in in what you learn from cities and and you learn from them too you know you learn from from people that have grown up in small towns too so yeah it's just a, it's just great you learn something new every day tell me you're talking about some of the challenges of rural and regional towns but one of them came through earlier this year and that was the the floods which hit mm. um at home here and that, <laughs> I was just thinking <laughs> Maybe a photo I should use for this is when you're hanging out the washing in oh. your <laughs> <laughs> yes in your oh swimmers. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I, you know, I could have said before I moved up here. I don't think I ever thought I would have witnessed a natural disaster, but I, um, I have, and I sort of just missed the end of the drought here. And Dennis always talks about how, um, how horrible it was, and I, you know, he's seeing some photos. You, you really do believe such a horrible time but yeah um the flood here was just unbelievable and and um it uh, yeah it wasn't what I thought it would be like it wasn't gushing water and jumping on the roof and trying to survive it was watching this water level rise up and and you know I I never considered what it meant for Dennis and for the community and the district here in terms of um in terms of their land and the town but gosh seeing now the aftermath of of it all um seeing how it's affected Dennis and his family his mum you know um and the effect it had on their property here and the rebuild was just unbelievable and for me that was just something that I you never think about the small things that yeah such a massive thing and the impact it has on their um on their livelihoods and also their mental health too you know the massive stress but yeah it was it was just unbelievable absolutely crazy I think it's, it's been interesting like hearing Dennis talk about the different events and stuff he's been through, but then also how it's driving the business going mm. forward. But from, yeah, talking about the the drought and then into the floods and just how he's now looking at well, what the next 10 years looks like and he's kind of planned for that and then the next 20 years. Yeah. That. What, yep. what do you reckon, what, what is farming and being involved in the farm kind of, you is there something that yeah. stands out as like a real appreciation where you're like oh, wow it's just I think seeing Dennis um so passionate about it it's his like this is his his family have been here for over 100 years now and I think it's a seeing you know that this is his day to day this is you know this this place is is truly like he's he lives and breathes it and everything that happens here is going to affect you know every, the way he feels and and that's, you know, that direct link to mental health and um, things that happen here on the farm, I think, really strikes something in me because I think maybe that's a gap there that, you know, you can really hone in on. Maybe there's 
there's a really great need for um for mental health support um you know really like on properties and more personal you know like the access to to mental there's no mental health support in texas at all you know so for farmers in this district um they or anyone in the town it's to go to gundawindi it's to go to toowoomba or inverell there's there is limited um support here and you know families definitely you know struggle struggle to access it too but yeah absolutely like when you're relying on the rain and you're relying on the weather and you're relying on things not to happen and you're relying on things to happen on, on a certain time frame I think yeah wow I really take my hat off you know to Dennis and to, and to everyone you know trying to ma- make it happen for themselves and and produce not and in the meantime producing for for the community too so I think that's a, a really cool part and kind of why I love bringing you into the conversation of humans of agriculture is because, well, if you'd ever asked me, <laughs> would Grace and I sit down for it, I probably would have said no. <laughs> but it, it's this real community piece and it's like these so many of them across rural Australia, they're agriculture communities mm-hmm. and it's like they're either fate, mm. whether that's prosperous or yep. not so prosperous, is really determined by how well ag's going and then... Yep what facilities are back in town for you guys to do it? Like I know how you do your shopping in at Texas, mm. which then gives jobs to those kids at, from the school, from mm. disadvantaged backgrounds. Like there's just such a big mm. flow-on effect that's so oh, important. Oh, yeah. It's all a cycle, isn't it? And it's all um, it's all, it's all all connected, you know, um, absolutely, mm-hmm. for sure. And, but yeah, I think I've just loved seeing um the way a farm really operates and and really just getting involved and getting my hands dirty and and letting go of a lot of um those uh you know expectations you place on yourself as a young person especially as a young woman you know um there's never been a day I've woken up and put makeup on here not that I did much at home anyway but you know (laughs) in that in terms of that it's it's a it people perhaps have this um misconception that a farm life is really glamorous at times, can be glamorous at times and it's, you know, all of these things and, yes, it is absolutely stunning here and it's beautiful but, yeah, there's there's an unglamorous side to to this lifestyle and, um, but I really, I love that as well. I love the imperfection of of, of this, of the life too. That's, uh, that's really cool. Mm. I th- I've got, or... Two questions I'm going to ask you to finish on. One which I ask everyone, so because you're li- such a loyal listener. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, I am. <laughs> Sorry, I'm making you feel bad. You are. Um, the reason, yeah, uh, uh, you, you <laughs> I don't even know where, where I'm going with this. Um, advice to your friends back home mm. in Geelong, Melbourne, etc. Mm. Now that we've had this big old shake-up in our lives, mm. why should they look at kind of, yeah, taking the chains off of the capital city life and coming out <laughs> to the regions for a bit of a look? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've been trying to get any friend to be able to get up here. I have planned at least three or four um, <laughs> weekends for friends to come up and, and stay and, and and let me show them around, let me take them for a drive on the tractor. You know, I just want someone that I know to come up here, you know. like No one's been able to get here. Um, but as soon as these borders open, I think that anyone should take the chance to get up, get out, um, you know, especially after this, you know, horrendous lockdowns in Melbourne. I just feel absolutely so lucky to have, to have not 
been there in the last 18 months and I have great friends down there and, you know, family in Geelong, you know, that have been stuck in lockdowns and, you know, just lives thrown upside down really, um, that I would just love to get up here, show them around, you know, even it'd be funny like even for mates to come up and and I reckon in in a week's time if they could spend a week in Texas and be able to get over the border into town they'd know they'd get to know at least five people in the street there just you know it's that sort of vibe I'd love people to to yeah to not be scared to try something different I think that a lot of people um are you know cautious about the big drive I think that's a big thing too driving you know, not being able to fly. It's not an easy access, you know, like to get out here. So for people to come up and um, really take a leap of faith and, um, yeah, step out and, and try something that they um, they may not have otherwise without these, you know, lockdowns that are pushing people out of the cities. For sure. Mm. I think uh, lots of opportunities up here for people. I think, um, I think when I first got here I was sceptical. I thought, wow, far out. What am I going to – what opportunities are there for me here in terms of career-wise? Because I'm quite career-driven. But I think that I was looking the wrong – I was looking at it the wrong way. I think you turn around and you go, righto, what opportunities can I create here? What What's needed? What are the gaps? Um, and where where do I – where can I fit in? Where can I really be and contribute um, myself? So, yeah, everyone, get on up here. That's a pretty powerful approach. yeah. One other question, and this you alluded to it at the very beginning and we haven't even touched about it, which is, I'd say, quite important part of your story, so you'll be able to answer it here. In terms of the question I ask everyone who comes on is mm. you get the chance to go and talk to Year 10 students. Mm. Let's choose in the city, for instance. Mm. You get the chance to go talk to the Year 10 students. A little bit of life advice to them around those next kind of few years, which are quite shaping years in, mm. in a young person's life. But now with what you've been exposed to agriculture in rural Australia, mm. why should a young person in year 10 start to look at maybe careers in the regions or in agriculture? Yeah, definitely for sure. I think year 10s are really um, sort of – year 9 and 10 are real um, game-changer years for, for kids and you sort of go, righto, maybe I do need to start thinking about where I want to go and what I want to do, even though that choice changes and changes and changes like it has for me over the years and – but I think I'd say to these to kids in, you know, thinking about those sort of careers or, you know, venturing out, even doing a year jillarooing or jackarooing, I would have loved to do something like that if I'd thought about it at the time or given been given that opportunity, you know, even to gain those sort of skills that I wish I'd had when I came up here, you know, just the knowledge and the small things that you'd learn just off a property for a year or so, you know, living and working it. But I think I'd say, yeah, don't I think university, like if that's what if that's what that person wants, you know, go for it. But I think kids shouldn't put too much pressure on themselves to get into uni, finish it, you know, and not take any time off for themselves, travel. I think that's really, really important because the stuff I've learnt, the most important things that I've learnt in my life haven't been um, by the books. It's been it's been the people through the people I meet and the places I go um, and the big big steps you take out of your comfort zone and I think for kids like you step out of your comfort zone you 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 recreate the person that that you thought you were and you turn into something or someone that you never thought you you would be and I think it can be a really really positive thing for kids um to take a leap of faith for sure unreal 
Grace, I really enjoyed the chat. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, and thanks, Ob. Thanks for having me. Being my first kind of real friend guest. Yeah, on it. I know. Love it. It's great. <laughs> it was very cruisy. What do you reckon? Do you think you might find yourself in... Maybe you should start a podcast. <laughs>well that's it for another week there's so much to unpack in that from life lockdowns love community just the learnings of someone who's come from victoria moved from melbourne into a town of 850 people and really found what makes a tick i uh i love that chat and i just think it was so fun and special to be able to do it alongside a friend and get the chance to yeah look a little bit deeper and and unlock some of those areas of their life which they might have been sitting on so i hope you guys enjoyed that chat look after yourselves stay safe stay sane and i can't wait for you all to join us again and chat next week <laughs> i never forget the, the texas um postcode now every time someone you know you have to put your postcode in or someone asks the postcode you go in the in my head it's always like texas cute and then like 4385 it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> Drop it in the mailbox until it delivers to Texas QLD.